Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When someone sort of says, I have a company called Killing Kittens, you automatically kind of think, oh, people killing kittens. But that's not what this is, right? Emma Sale. Emma Sale. Founder of Killing Kittens. From renowned sex parties to a range of unforgettable experiences. Falling cars, I make rich such but why did you feel there was a need to empower women in, in this way? We are taught that sex is about the man. This is straight sex. You know, about a man coming. That's that's the end of sex. That, uh, you know, sex is a penis and a vagina and that, and it's all about the man. The shame and the guilt, I think that's the bit that isn't empowering. It's that we are taught to be good girls. What is Killing Kittens, Emma? A space online and offline where women were in control, where they were the ones making the first move, where they could literally talk freely, shag freely, and just sort of be in a safe, non-judgmental um, environment. How do you separate it from what some people would describe as a kind of seedy event? People come together, get naked, have sex, and it's, you know, short of a brothel. Welcome to Second Chance Podcast. I'm Raphael Rowe, your host. This podcast focuses on the theme of second chance, exploring who deserves it, who has the authority to grant it, and what it means. We speak with people from diverse backgrounds, including those who have been given second chances and those who some might argue don't deserve them. Empowering women in the boardroom and bedroom is what Emma Sal, also known as Queen Kitten, is all about. In 2005, she founded her company with the intention of empowering women both in the boardroom and bedroom. Her wild experiences in Ibiza inspired her to create a safe space for singletons and couples alike to explore and embrace their sexuality. Recently, Sal's company launched a new app, We Are X, which aims to help change the lives of women through both in-person events and online platforms. From sex parties to sex tech, Sale is changing the narrative for women and promoting liberation and empowerment. 
Inspired by the popular TV show Sex in the City, she has created a space where people can explore their fantasies in a safe and judgment-free environment, both online and offline. At KK, Killing Kittens, women make the rules in the pursuit of female pleasure. Thanks for coming on to my podcast this morning. Um, let's let's just kick it off straight away with me and my curiosity about um, Killing Kittens because when someone sort of says, I have a company called Killing Kittens, you automatically kind of think, oh, people killing kittens, but that's not what this is, right? What is Killing Kittens, Emma? Do you know what's funny? It's like there's not many, how few people, it's been 18 years, actually ask why it's called Killing Kittens. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just such a ridiculous name. So it is... Um, it's a business I started in 2005, just out of sort of an anger of a really imbalanced world and where it was sort of growing up as a real tomboy and wanting to do everything the boys did, like climb trees and just do loads of sport. And that's, you know, I had really short hair and I played the trombone because no other girls at school played the trombone. And um, so it kind of, so as a kid on that level, and then you get older and you go into the sort of the dating world and suddenly it's sort of, actually this is really imbalanced within the sex and dating world. And sort of guys can sort of do whatever they want and they don't get judged and they can sleep around and have one night stands and and you know the and the guilt and the shame and the judgment in in girls especially back then like 20 years ago um you know was insane instead of you know the idea of having a one-night stand and getting properly judged and keeping it secret and and so I sort of um and I grew up in the Middle East as well so I kind of just saw a real imbalance then and a real military hardcore narcissistic dad as well so there's imbalance at home so I would say it kind of there was a fire that we just kept getting fueled and fueled and fueled um so then when I hit early 20s um I was like right enough and it was when Sex and City had just come out and Anne Summers was on the high street and sort of lay low sex toys went into Selfridges um and there was this talk of kind of a female sexual revolution going on and I just thought well it's still not you know people can talk about it but it's not where's a safe space for girls to sort of want to to go and explore their sexuality or ask questions or um you know just get naked and try with other girls or just be kind of free sexually um and so I just created wanted to create a space online and offline where women were in control where they were the ones making the first move where they could literally talk freely shag freely and just sort of be in a safe non-judgmental um environment to explore their sexuality so that's sort of where it started and the name there's a cyber slang expression that um every time you masturbate god kills a kitten so if you're killing a kitten you're having a wank <laughs> basically <laughs> i was drunk when that came about <laughs> what why did you feel there was a need to empower women in in this way i mean i don't know whether it is mythical that women have not always been empowered they've not always been in control of what they do and what they don't do and it's more of a, a male dominated kind of ego that makes them feel that they're not because you know I like to think in the real world women have always been in control why did you feel that they weren't and that there was a need to set this space up where they could explore their sexuality I think I think you're right I think you know there's that expression behind every successful man is a, is a woman um and you look back through history and you know the courtesans and you know even the you know the prostitutes back in you know hundreds of years ago and stuff were held in big you know high regard and um and I think you look at you know a lot of homes really it's you know the women that wear the trousers and make you know I think it's over 80% of the household decisions 
the spending decision thing. So there is that. I just, I think a lot of it is, and there still is that. It's the shame and the guilt. I think that's the bit that isn't empowering. It's that we are taught to be good girls. We are taught that sex is about the man. This is straight sex. You know, about a man coming. That's that's the end of sex. That, uh, you know, sex is a penis and a vagina and that, and it's all about the man. Um, You know, you're not taught, you know, sex ed at school, you know, but you're not taught what clitoris is. You're not talk about, taught about female pleasure. You're not taught that actually, you know, we're allowed to have pleasure. We, so actually you, you know, even now I speak to you know your girlfriends of mine right? and you and, and I go well, what do you like such and they're like, we don't know because we've never thought that actually we should be able to know what we like sexually and actually do something about it and be able to and have those conversations so it's sort of it's so I think it's so ingrained in our bones as women through you know passed from generation to generation to generation to like of just be a good girl be well behaved and well behaved girls don't you know go and have one night stands and and obviously they have been and women are very you know we are very sexual beings and I think you know when you look at the science um the science of sexuality and the animal and take out all the social issues and the religion and everything that's made us get to this point um now is actually women are more promiscuous we are more our desire drops faster than men's desire long term so we we're naturally way more kind of multiple partners and and getting bored quicker so actually as as animals we should be the ones that go and have the affairs and go and cheat and go and, and leave our other halves but this society but society's kind of put so much again that messaging in us that kind of create the home be the wife be the be the mother kind of and and guard that which has came in the 17th century of guarding that family unit you know you look you look back i was reading this the other day of all all the things that, you know, where women got put in, you know, mental institutions for. And there were so many of them that were like sexual urges, masturbating, you know, every, you know all these kind of you know, hysterical women. The first vibrators that came out, you know, where actually doctors used them on women to give them an orgasm to control women. Um, it's sort of, I just think, and that's it. I think we're so squashed, we've squashed so much of what is natural by what society, how society tells us to behave and what we should be, um, that we don't know that we could have a voice or to ask the questions or, you know, to turn around to our partners and say, this is what I'm thinking, this is what I'm... Because you just have that, or I can't say it because, you know, he'll leave me or think I'm a weirdo or... So I just think a lot is... There's a lot in here. <laughs> so, so, so then, I mean, it, it sounds like what what does killing kittens do for women then i mean what t- tell me a little bit about what killing kittens is so it's there to empower women's sexuality that's what it sounds like part of it is but it sounds like you set it up for for more than just that reason so what happens at killing kittens i mean what is it about how does it take place where does it take place what does it involve who's involved give me a little bit more detail about what this space does it's kind of hard. We think it's it's sort of now half half online, half on offline. So the event side of it, we do events. They're all masked. You have to be a member to attend, and to be a member, you have to be a woman. And then you can bring a guest, whether that's another woman or any kind, any gender, or um, or you come on your own. And at the at the events, we have you know they're just a big big private parties, different all over the world, different different venues. Um, and we at the events we have playrooms, so we have rooms that have they would have kind of the equivalent of maybe four big double beds, all there. And it's then so it's kind of up to people 
whether they want to get naked, whether they want to have sex, whether they want to watch, whether it's just sort of, it's there if people want to get involved. And, and also the main rule at all the events is that women make the first move. So they were the ones that will chat up, you know, if there's a guy at the bar, then um, he can't speak to women girls he doesn't know so it it kind of it's all I think it's you know there's difference between being empowered and like being in control and I think that's part the part of it in in the world we live in it's a lot of the time it's sort of us feeling like we don't have the power and we're not in control you know and it's the guy that makes it's up to him sort of thing and making the calls and just in life in general and yeah and I think so it's it's flipped and when you're out and about in a bar and stuff it's sort of it's the guys making the first move a lot of the time and so it was just sort of just flipping the norm on its head so that actually this was a, a safe space and and we get a lot of we get a lot of like groups of girls that come down and they're just like dancing around in their underwear um they don't want to get involved that that without being hit on it just gives that yeah sense of empowerment and um so that's you know, sort of offline and then online we've got a mass you know a huge great sort of social dating site set up which has workshops and webinars and masterclasses online it's got big chat groups um it's got live live chats um that you can listen to it's got their social data it's kind of the dating app side of it and yeah big sort of sex positive world um and again that that's that's much more also sort of all inclusive we've actually just rebranded that and split it as a different business called x 2 weeks ago so what was the kk online side is now a different business to be all inclusive so it's not just women and it's just sort of allowing everyone to have a voice sexually and everyone to and that's that i think that's what it is it's sort of what started as me pushing the women from 18 years ago going well if guys can say what they want and and have a voice sexually and then then why can't women but now we're in a world where it's not that binary anymore there's not you know back then it was sort of you were straight you were gay and the crazy one in the middle was bisexual which was totally out there whereas you know nowadays bisexual is really boring um so it the world we've now created is that is is for everyone and like just disenfranchised people um sexy to come and just sort of get their voice the voice in the bedroom to ask for what they want to actually go and explore what they might like um because i just think you know that we spend billions this world spends billions and billions on mental health and well-being and like physical health and well-being and people spend a fortune um on apps and every and getting you know their sort of mental health up and and going up to the gym and all the physical side but you know your sexual well-being and your sexuality drives every single person on this planet more than anything it's what makes us uh, who we are as animals and so why wouldn't you spend the same amount on working out what makes you tick sexually and your sexual health and well-being so that's sort of that's the big push at the moment um so yeah, so what started with Killing Kittens is, you know, with women at the core, which still is on the event side, the online side has turned into, yeah, We Are X, um, which is just sort of your, anyone's sort of all adult life to be empowered on that front and just, yeah. When you talk about the, the sort of offline, online, offline stuff, like the event stuff, and you talk about it to empower women to be in control of what's going on in that space how do men get involved then if it's a mem all, all membership for women how do men turn up at the bar and can't make the first move or, or do anything how do men get invited to these events yeah because you can buy a couple's ticket 
So you can buy, you can invite. So on online, on the online world, we're pretty much 50-50 women to guys. I think we've got about 180,000 members and they're pretty much 50-50 guys, girls. But to be, to actually buy the tickets to the events, you have to be a woman, but you can invite a male member. So you invite a male member to your to a couple's ticket and then so you can come along together. So sometimes it's, you know, not some are genuine couples, some are you're just bringing a guy friend. So you're still, you know, so actually when it comes to the events, it's not, there are always slightly more women. It's probably kind of 67, 60, 40, 80% um, on that split. And a lot of the guys that come along aren't necessarily in the, in the couple sort of married um, or girlfriend, boyfriend. They've come as someone's plus one. So yeah how do you separate it from what some people would describe as a kind of seedy event people come together get naked have sex and it's you know short of a brothel how how do you separate and educate those people who think that that this is just an opportunity to have an orgy for people to have you know open sex with with anybody they want to at an event well that but the thing is it's it's how it's how you see that i mean a lot of people that's what you know they what they want to do they want to come down and actually you know couples want to come down and and get involved in some gr- a group sex a single girl might feel empowered because she wants to come down and sleep with some strangers it, it again it's that psychology of what what, what you see as sex is it, you know what i mean it's like lots of people having sex to some people is like that's disgusting and to other people, it's like fully empowering and like a release and they having the most amazing time and wake up the next morning going, oh, my God, did that actually just happen? And they feel really confident in themselves and their bodies and um, and again, and in control and empowered. That's, you know, it's sort of it's and that's part of it, that problem that we have of of that, again, that messaging of that sex is dirty and it's seedy and. And you go, when some people have you know, said that to me, it's disgusting. I'm like, why is it, what's disgusting? Which bit is disgusting, you know, about a group of people choosing to have sex with each other? It, when it, it, they're animals and it's just sex. It's sort of, it's that, and people can't really say it because you just go, well, it's sort of been put in our bones <laughs> and our, our psyche that that's disgusting. That, it, you know, it should, it, sex should just be between two people in private, you know, in the sanctity of, of marriage. And I, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian, go to church, always have done it. Always, I find that, you know, sex and religion really fascinating. And, you know, it's our, our local vicar around here. So is he, um, you know, his wife's ordained, and but she doesn't practice because he doesn't believe in women vicars. And you just sort of, it's just there's, there's a real juxtaposition I find with, with now with a lot of, you know, religion and actually what, and the actual, the spiritual animal world coming out in humans as it kind of should be. Um, what, what, what fascinates me is that you've been doing this for 18 years, Emma. What, what, what have you found changed? Because I can imagine at the beginning of this process, it was quite liberating to see women feel empowered and have that control in these, these, these events and stuff. What have you seen over those 18 years that still surprises you? Yeah, I mean, I can't believe it's been eighteen years. But I think it's, I think because it, because sex and gen, sex and gender have evolved so much and so fast in the last eighteen years that it constantly feels new. Like we're having to keep on our toes the whole time, changing things like splitting the business. Like you know, even using the word woman, it's sort of now it's well identifying as a woman. It's like where's the line? Where you know, it's sort of so keeping up with that side. Of things has been fascinating. The fact that you know what was very binary is now a thousand, a thousand shades of grey, um, and constantly evolving. And 
yeah so that 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 that, that side of thing i think also the um when i look back and then you realize how far you know how far we've come is you know is actually now more and more people are will tell their mates they've come to a kk party they'll say oh, i slept with this guy or i slept with two girls or you know it's sort of it's much more that's what i love hearing that actually what was once very hidden and embarrassed and couldn't possibly tell their girlfriends and that was one main reason of setting it up even you know a lot of girls I've met couldn't even tell their best friend what they were thinking about sexually or that they'd had a one night stand and you just think that's not that's just wrong if you can't tell your closest humans you know actually who you really are and what you really want and really enjoy then that's not particularly you know nice situation to be in so so that and then we get you know we're constantly getting messages from members and you know you say that you know it's, it's changed their life it's it's you know their relationship if they're in a couple stronger they finally sort of communicated after sort of maybe being together 10 years and never ever having a conversation about what they have thought about sexually so it's that it's taking away that stigma and shame and actually giving them a place where they can go and you know online we have massive chat groups with different themes so you can join a chat group that might be a women's only one there's a men's only one um there's you know like kink ones or just curious or there's you know a whole different so you can and just sort of chat to people and ask questions and realize that you know you're not some weirdo for having a certain a certain thought and then you know one of the big things I you know I've I've loved seeing and hearing and and we get a lot of it is is women sort of and it kind of fits a bit with the second chance is that it's sort of that women of women getting married and going into relationships in their 20s uh they have any you know they've been no uh, sort of full-on abusive relationships or arranged marriages or you know all all thinking they have to get married and actually you know in their 30s it getting out and realizing that they're you know they're lesbians or or you're know, just bi-curious or or just getting that power back and realize you know of a second chance to you know get out there and live and and feel strong and in control and not in an abusive relationship that they were in in their 20s or an arranged marriage that they were they were in so we get a lot of you know a lot of our members are that's probably why the you know are the average age of our memberships probably about 33 34 so we get we do get a lot of women joining who in their forties who are coming into that you know the second phase I'm like forty five so a lot of my girlfriends are doing it that phase of actually it you know what I mean you just go oh you got one life and you stop caring what people think and that's when you start asking the questions and going why have I you know put up with this for related you know these kind of relationships for twenty years or gone out with the same sort of guy for twenty years and and always you know never really said what I want in a bedroom so you know let's go and do a BDSM workshop or rope tie and a rope play workshop or something so and just get out dating and um have a threesome and you know what I mean it's like there's a there's you know I think women get a kind of second second wind in their 40s and and especially you know how do you keep people safe how did how does an environment like this I mean I know it's a an all women's sort of membership and they invite people but how do you keep people safe what 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 do you need to do to ensure that people that turn up at these events or take part in any of the other events are are safe uh, and protected from any kind of weirdos as you mentioned well on that level everyone has to be a member so that you have to apply to be a member of the kittens association which is the one as i said the women's only one so that's the well, they're the ones who can buy the tickets but the person you then bring your guest has to be a member as well so they've gone through um you know proof of identity like 
approval stage of showing that they're a real person. So they have to take the whole selfies in the right, you know, the position to show that, you know, they're not some fake account. So, so, so you know, on that that front, it's, it's safe. They are all actual members. So it's not just sort of random people buying tickets. Um, and then at the end of the day, the, the guys that come with a girl, that they're kind of their responsibility. So actually the women buying the couple's tickets know that the person they bring, they're responsible for. But it's not like, they, you know, they're not going to want to get kicked out of the community um so we've kind of yeah in 18 years touch wood haven't had issues and i think also if you take the test take the testosterone factor out of like just groups of men out on the pool i think that's where the trouble happens that's where the whole testosterone kind of lads 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 will come in come out in bars and pubs and but you take that out and you you know it's got much more it's much more feminine energy in these events and that what, what about, I mean, given that it's, I, I don't know this, and I ask these questions out of ignorance, really, but given that these are paid events, does that bring you into, has it over the years at all brought you into, or brought the attention of the authorities, the police, or anybody to your events? I mean, these are grown adults making decisions for themselves, so it shouldn't, but I wonder if it has at any point. No, it hasn't, because they're paying to come to the events. They're not, no one's being paid for sex if that makes sense. So we're not, you know, we're not paying like 20 girls to be in there. Every single person in there has paid a ticket to be in there and it's a members club. So we, you know, we've used loads of venues around Mayfair and Westminster. We know the council. They, we use clubs now. We take over big clubs in London. We have no issue with it because, you know, they're, they, it's a good demographic of people. It's, you know, the female side of it makes it, a lot better behaved on that front went out in nightclubs um so it's sort of no one's really had any issue with it um, i know that you you set up this app you talked about the app what what is the app for what does the app the new app because i read something about it's also a platform where you, you know parents of young girls or guys i suspect um can let people know where they are when they're going on blind dates and things like that tell me a little bit about that 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 one's safe date so that's an app that we launched about four years ago it's a really simple app it was kind of we were building this technology to go on the main site to do with killing kittens and because what we found in the chat groups were people were going out on a date you know just a tinder date or something with someone they hadn't met and they would put in the group where they were going and say if i haven't checked back into this group by midnight then send out a search party um, and again, it goes back to that. They couldn't feel they could tell their close friends for judgment a lot of the time. So we wanted, so we were building it for that. And then decided that actually that it's an app that we, that actually should have, you know, kids could use going on play dates or teenagers going with their parents and out, you know, out for, for dates or cinema or whatever on dates. So in, you know, in which case we met, we built it as a standalone app. So it wasn't considered sex and adult. And it all, it all, it's very simple. You just put in the date details or where you're going, um, where you met the person so that you could be offline or you could say that you met them on Tinder and this is their username. And um, so the time you just put in the details of the date, you put in your safe contacts, your phone numbers and email addresses, and you can have more than one. You can have as many as you want. And so they don't know. So your safe people will not know you've done this unless you don't check in. So it keeps that kind of security. So rather than find my friend and stuff like that, the tracks you can track and the person knows where you're going. So it's kind of that if you, you know, are going somewhere, you don't really want your friends to know where you're going. They won't know you're going anywhere unless you don't check back in 
to the app. So you can then put the time you want to check back in. So check back in at like 11 o'clock at night. Um, and if you haven't checked back into the app and the app will give you warnings, um, then your safe people will get a message saying so-and-so had you as their safe person. They were at this place at this time with these people. So yeah, it's that it's a sim it's quite straightforward. What, what 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 does it say about? I mean, what do people say uh, uh, about you then? Somebody who's set up a uh, uh, an event like this, uh, uh, Emma, at such a young age, you've been doing it for for a long time now. How will people judge you as an individual who sets up a, a platform, an opportunity to empower women? I mean, what's people said about you when I say people I don't know who I mean but what people said about you as an individual who set up something like this and felt the need to set up something like this to help aid women empower women um lots of things um uh, yeah get abuse weekly um do you really um, on a weekly yeah, basis no yeah get, no on a, I get I get yeah messages and, stuff. And, and and do those messages come from the partners of say women or men who attend these events who think that you've interfered or broken no or... no no I've never no I've only I think I've probably only been named in two divorce cases um but their, their hobbies were arseholes so I got blamed for like taking away their wife where I'm like no I was just looking after them type thing and um and no no mainly just sort of people I don't know so through social media you just get get messages and you're accused of you know we're being disgusting and a madam and running a brothel and um yeah a lot like that but there's a lot I think that when you know when when people feel threatened and insecure that brings out just a nasty human being you know brings out the worst in people and I think so you got you got two types you get you know, of the reason I get, you get, I can see it sometimes when out and you get introduced and you get the wives who think I'm going to take away the husbands and they don't get you because I'm doing what I'm doing and there's sex involved. It, but then I, I, you know, will look at them and feel sorry for them and they're not a very happy insecure person. And most of the time I think they just need some good sex in their lives. Um, because they, if they're that, if that's how they're seeing it, because the irony is it's actually about them. It's not about the husband. Um, so you get, you get that side and then the other side is is the husband and the men um and husbands feeling threatened that you're and so they're the ones you know very controlling type of of alpha male who feel like you're gonna take the yeah i'm gonna take the wife away and um and then so it makes them feel threatened and insecure um and again i say that you know it is it's like don't you want to secure missus who you know, is happy and secure because then you actually get more freedom. You know, if your other half is, is secure and happy in life, then actually crack on. It's like, you know, my, my husband is out and about the whole time and, you know, I'll sort him out going to strip clubs and stuff. I'm like, whatever, you know what I mean? I trust him and, you know, I'm secure. And so you get more more freedom. He lets me, you know, run my be in, be in London till four or five in the morning, whatever. He doesn't check up on me. It's sort of, um, but I find in the past, you know, when I've had boyfriends that, you know, are constantly, where are you? What are you doing? Why wouldn't you answer the phone? It's actually made me go, sod this. I'm just going to go and cheat because, you know, you know, they don't trust me. So it brings it, it that's, that's the irony of the, it's the flip of, um, so the ones that are like so, so tightly controlling, you just want to go, come on. <laughs> you, you mentioned there are rules, obviously, to these events, um, that are offline where, uh, you know, a male cannot make, an approach to a woman because you want to move it away from what would happen in a normal nightclub or in a bar or something but that happens with women chatting up men 
but you also said that that the the members and the guests at these events have to wear masks. Are these is this something they have to wear throughout the whole no, of the events? And it's um, just at the beginning. So just at the beginning, and it was kind of I hate the masks. They're so uncomfortable. So I was joking. It was like this thing that I brought in right at the beginning. You know, it's like crazy 20 year old that just wanted the whole yeah mask thing um because i think so it's just for the beginning bit and i think especially back when i launched then it was much more sort of secretive and taboo and didn't want to be seen to be going to these places it gave people that extra layer of anonymity so kind of uh, and then when they felt comfortable they could take the mask off which everyone pretty much everyone has their mask off you know within an hour you know, you have a drinks reception to start with and then we say, you know, take the mask off after that. So there aren't many people who leave the mask on all night long. It, it, it was that kind of just added, just a bit of a show, but, a, but also at the same time just to let people feel like they, they're in this world but they have a layer between them and the world to hide behind. There's, there's no doubt that just the way you explain what you've done, how you do what you do, and, and your character kind of shines through in this conversation. But I have to ask where it comes from, Emma. You know, what, what was, if you was to describe yourself, how would you describe yourself, Emma? Who is Emma when you take away the work that you do? How did Emma get to a place where she felt the need to do something like this. I, I, I get it that you want to empower women and that you were fed up with people judging women because they wanted to have you know, sex with somebody whenever they wanted to in the same way that men feel that they can. I just want to understand a little bit more about who, who Emma is. So who is Emma? I think a lot of it is the light is the background I had. I was the eldest and I went to boarding school like seven and a half and I was the one that looked after everyone. And the and that's I think I think a lot of it I have a real burning kind of sense of injustice of like, you know, if if I don't agree with something, then I will I've always been that person that even when tiny was like, No, just because everyone's telling me that that's how it is, no. You know, just I remember it when I was about nine, you know, and everyone you had to get weighed every two weeks and I just said no. And just got, you know, nine-year-old girlfriends at boarding school to protest and stop being weighed. Because I was like, this is not right. Um, it, I just I think they've always had that. But I think they're, I think part of it as well is like when going to boarding school and that it was back when, you know, you didn't have access to, it was pre-child app when I first went. So you didn't have access to the phone. So I think it was like two and a bit months of, yeah, two months of not speaking to parents. And you, so my, you know, I was in a dorm with, you know, other little seven-year-old girls and was, I think very quickly, I, I was the one to look after the ones around me to the, and to, to make sure everyone else was okay. And I think that's, I think a lot of it is fueled from that is that everything I've ever done and all the way through school and this is that seeing the bigger just see I see I've always see the big picture and the 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 underdogs and the people around me I'll always go I'll always see I think it's an en energy thing as well I walk into a room I've always have and it's exhausting a lot of time and just pick up people's energies and I'll instantly know the ones that aren't happy or upset and that need it just sort of and it's just that's just sort of how I am and I you know I think I think in my 20s, it drained the hell out of me and I didn't have any boundaries whatsoever. Um, 
but some good therapy um, helped me out in my 30s and stuff on that whole boundaries kind of side and and now you know I feel it and stuff it's more it's that rescue of becoming a coach kind of analogy of, of of actually you know I'll help people out but I don't get emotionally so yeah drain and I think and business wise it's happened as well I have an amazing team and I could just sort of walk away probably for a month and it wouldn't affect the running of the business and because I've just sort of let go <laughs> let go of it on it all it's interesting because you talk about how you've been there for so many people from the age of seven who's been there for you then because you say there were no boundaries in your teens early 20s no boundaries no control uh, I take that to, to mean which meant I, I, I suspect that you were a little bit wild and did what you wanted to do where you wanted to do it and that's brought about who you are and what you do today giving other people the opportunity to, to do that as as well who was there for you then apart from the therapist <laughs> Do you know, I have, a, I have an amazing relationship with my mum. And I think a lot of that is because our relationships properly come about as adults. Um, so we're, we're mates. And yeah, dad left almost like around the same time I started KK. So we've just become best friends. And I think, yeah, so um, that and I've, you know, and I started actually, I started at the same, when I started Killing Kittens, I actually started a big group called The Sisterhood, which was a bigger regards we do lots of crazy races and sport activities around the world for different charities and and that again was just creating a space for for girls to have have their tribe have their you know because a lot when their 20s came to London didn't really know anyone so I've kind of that of those some of those girls I've sort of are at my absolute rocks and they're always they're always there and you know it's always had that's always had like a big whatsapp group as well and um that you know a lot of girls of you know getting divorced whatever have just come into that and I've got them to do some crazy big extreme sports race or something um and having that I think you know that's part of it not just KK but the sister is that I think as girls we and the good girl and find a husband and we lose ourselves a bit and it becomes about the boyfriend or the husband or you know being a mum and I think that yeah it's sort of that side of actually giving letting trying to get everyone to have a voice and the confidence to be unapologetically selfish I call it and it's kind of taken sort of sidetracked a bit from your question but I think you haven't because it's interesting that you say it's about giving those a voice what why do you think that's necessary though It, it it sounds like you know if if you are a wife and you are a mother or you you know you're in a particular relationship that is nine to five I'll I'll say um or or the norm which is what lots of people seek is there anything wrong with that no I mean I I'm I'm you know I'm a wife I'm I'm a mum of three but I also know that's made me realize even more how easy it is to lose yourself to lose you know lose friends because you just they're knackered and you just can't be asked to go out for a drink or you you can't and you know and and actually the husbands are way more sort of stuck in there they'll go golfing they'll you know they do their sports nights in the week or stuff they'll have you know their routine pretty much you know stays a lot of the time and we just sort of will be the ones you know looking at as much as we are living in 2023 you know most of the household stuff is still even if you're both working and equal earners and stuff it's still done by most household you know kids stuff is still done by 
done by the mum. So I've had to, you know, often, my kids are like eight, six and four, so it's exhausting. Um, but make myself go out, you know what I mean? Make myself, I don't want to, but just because I know how important it is and I remind myself how good I feel once I'm in the company of girlfriends and with a warm wine in hand, actually how energising it feels. So you just come back and, you know, you'll, you'll be a better mum, you'll be a better wife. You just, you get that, you you know, you need some you. So, you know, I always ask people, is like, what, you know, people who work nine to five, long, I go, well, what, but what's your hustle? What's your, you know, what, what, what's your thing? Everyone, you need a thing that is your selfish thing that you like doing and that, you know, fills your soul. And I think we're, we're really bad at that <laughs> as women and mums, wives, we're really bad at that because it's again it's automatically sort of in us to be a bit of a martyr so what would you say to those that are listening to it because i'm sure there will be lots of women listening to this who want to you know you know find the energy to go out and do the things that you find the energy to go out and do so you have that selfish streak for yourself because that as you say makes you a better mum it makes you a better wife it makes you a better person it gives you the the energy what what do you say to those women who are listening to this right now Emma and thinking I'd love to but I just can't because I've got to put my four-year-old to bed and be there when they wake up if they wake up etc it's that I mean everyone's in different situations but a lot of the time when people say they can't they can you know they can they can turn around to their other halves and go I'm going out on you know I want to go out for a drink I'm going to go for an hour I want you know you're going to parent it's not babysitting they're also parents <laughs> um they can parent their own children um and you know there's that analogy of of you know when you're in a up in an airplane and the oxygen mask come out and they say put the oxygen mask on you first you know parents put the oxygen mask on you first and then your children it's that energy you've got to put put that oxygen mask on you because if you're not getting oxygen then how do you expect your kids to get oxygen and your husband to get oxygen it's sort of it's by being selfish and unapologetic about it then you're going to be the best wife and the best mother and you know the best person really but it's just it's just really easy to get in a rut properly getting right I have girlfriends say that to me all the time they're like oh I haven't seen you in eight months I've just sort of got in this space of just being so tired and just staying at home and you know that and they're like this feels so good and we need to do this more often and it's that kind of thing same with exercising you know even if that's what you do <laughs> it, absolutely you sound like someone who's in total control of who you are and what your destiny is apart from bringing up three kids which can obviously take you in a different direction because you can't dictate what those little ones want to do and don't want to do what what are your challenges then emma yeah i've had a bit of a midlife crisis in the last year or so i think covid i'm such an outside out I'm such a human to human person. I'm such, you know, out face to face. I don't really like the digital world much at all. Um, the irony of having a tech business. Um, and that realizing I, you know, I'm a big sports person and I've, you know, I've used the term of, you know, the, I've, I've had, I've had to bench myself business wise and stuff because we went so into like the online world during COVID and tech and that's not me and play the best, my best players and they're still being played and sort of felt just, you know, like feeling a bit redundant and not redundant, but I think that I've had to get my head around what's ego and what's self, you know, of kind of, is it my ego that actually I'm not needed anymore and of having to remind myself that actually it's a nice position to be in that, I can, I have stepped back and I'm not really running it anymore business-wise because I've got an amazing team and that's great one day, 
depends what day of like the hormonal month I'm in. <laughs> and the next the next week I'm like, you know, it's the I'm perimenopausal as well. That is that full paranoia of like, God, they're trying to nick my business and no one cares about me anymore. And who am I if I'm not? You know, I've been doing it for so long. There is a there is there is a bit now of, well, what what's my purpose now? Like what what can I do now? That, you know, it's all properly running itself and doing really well on the, you know, social dating outside of it. And, you know, it's it's great and Killing Kittens is great and, you know, got a great events team and but it's sort of what's questioning my purpose of I'm that fighter. I'm the, you know, the disruptive one and like I'm not happy about this, bulldoze, let's do this, you know. And it's sort of it's kind of all running and we're at the front of it all and it's great. But part of me is sort of what do I need to disrupt now? <laughs> but, but why do why do you have to think like that? Because I, I I have these conversations often. Why can't you just enjoy the benefits of the success of, of killing kittens? Like you say, you've got to the point where you've got an amazing team around you. I I read, you know, it's millions of pounds worth of company. Why can't you just sit back and enjoy the success of what you created? You're totally right. And actually, that's that's the what that's what I tell myself every day, and I'm actually getting a lot calmer about it, and and enjoying it, and enjoying, you know, hanging out with my kids and doing the school pickups and things. And actually, you know, I've been roped into being the chair of the PTA last year for my <laughs> sins. So to be honest, I think that's that that's um and that's been fun because it's a little Church of England Church of England primary school. So there are apparently a few parents that did not want me doing it so I think that's fed the bit of the beast that's in me to kind of prove yeah prove prove people wrong basically don't want you to do it because you're the character you are or because of the business that you run because of the business that I run the sex side of things but we you know I get on really well with the hedges that we don't want you going anywhere and and actually I have changed a bit sort of how things have been done events wise and we've raised loads of money in the process so and taken a lot of things online that was sort of offline. Um, so that I have enjoyed, you know, I've really enjoyed doing that. And it's for my kids. So it's for my kids' school. So I think, yeah, that's been my own little project, which actually has helped me massively brain-wise in the last year. Yeah, last year and a half I've been doing it. How do you, and when do you have that, and does it make a difference, what you tell your kids about your business? I mean, a business is a business, right? Whatever that business is, I get that. But out of interest, since you've had kids and you've started a business long before you had kids, but since you had kids, does it make you think differently about the conversation you need to have with them about your business? Or is it they will succeed you? You know, your business will continue to grow and continue to be the success that it is that your kids can take it over from you. Is that something you'd want? Yeah, I mean, well, to be honest, we, me and my husband joke that the four-year-old girl is set to be the next CEO. She's an absolute force of nature. But no, do you know what it? I think what it, it what it has made me realise with the kids is actually the to it's fueled the flames even more of the imbalance and making sure actually the girls think they they can do what I've got to boy girl girl. So the two girls think that they can do what Raf does. Another Raf. Um, the um the boy can because already you know he's eight and you know the middle one's six there she'll come out with things about no what about boys do that and I'm like where's this so that it's made me really realize actually where's where's the messaging where does it come from who is because it's not coming from in the home 
because we're very much sort of, you know, and the girls do football. They're the only two girls in their Saturday morning football club out of 100 kids. They, you know what I mean? They, our girls are little toughies who, and the way I speak to them and my husband speaks to them about being whatever they want to, it's sort of where, where are these messaging coming from? And, and also on the sex education kind of side of things, I'm very conscious of actually part, a part of the issue of, and you go to, it'd be very easy to do. I think that's part of it, of doing it and saying the same things that you grew up being told and expressions or terms is being very, very matter of fact. So, you know, it's like the six-year-old girl. So when she was four asked, um, so the sick ref would have been six, asked what Lily's willy was called. And I just went as a vagina. I thought, you know what I mean? I just didn't even think about it. So I thought, I'm not going to give it a silly name. I'm not going to, you know, kind of that some people do. It's just a body part. And the eight-year-old the other week, you know, they've just started learning. You know, Nima went round about kind of the basic sex ed, which is just, which is body, which is the parts of the body and what the real words are and stuff. And he's always, you know, I get changed in front of him and he sort of laughs a bit. And I'm like, boobs. And so I'm like, they're just a body part. So I've said that loads and loads of times to him. Like, what's so funny? That's an elbow. That's a knee. Those are boobs. So, you know. It's just a body part, Raph. And um, his teacher came out, you know, in March and said, oh, we we're doing just to know, I thought you might like it. And um, she said, she was saying, this is this breast. And all the boys in the class started laughing. And Raph swung around and went, it's just a body part. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of just little small wins of, of and that's kind of what I can do in my little micro little world to try and make a bit of change and to try and normalize. So actually, when my kids are older, you know, he raffle, you know, the consent and the boundaries and, and actually know about girl female pleasure and everything and, and that the girls will be out there being whoever they want to be. It's brave and, and it's, you're absolutely right, it's normalizing things that, that, that are not normalized. What, what do you want people to take away from this conversation, Emma? When you talk about, you know, empowering women with Killing Kittens, which is the company you set up many, many years ago, and you have the dating app and, and other digital platforms for people to sort of in, engage with. Um, you, you talk about, you, you know, empowering your, your girls in particular to, to, to realize that they can be who they want and they don't have to be shy of, of who they are as, as young girls, as you do with your son, Raph. But what would you want people to take away from this conversation, having listened to you talk about the work that you do, the company you set up and the person you are? I know. I think mainly, you know, and it's one thing, you know, I'm always telling myself is you have one life, you know, you, you have one life. And if you spend that life worrying about what everyone thinks, about you worrying about what everyone thinks and that and what everyone thinks dictating what you do then you know you're not you're not going to basically be the happiest version of yourself it's you're going to be a prisoner to the opinions of other people and I the order I've got the you know the less of that prison yeah now I'm just sort of as I said that unapologetically selfish um, side of things and just sort of backing yourself to to start, I think if anyone, if there's that bit that it, you worry so much about, especially when you're younger, of what people think, that you don't spend enough time on what you really want, what you really think, what you really want to do, what takes makes you tick. You know, and you know, like, cause, you know, there's so many people that don't come out until they're, you know, 50s and 60s because they spent so long being too scared to do anything. I think it's that fear, isn't it? It's fear just holds everyone back. So it's trying to get rid of that part. It's it's interesting because at the beginning of this conversation you talked about the reason you set up Killing Kittens and why you called it Killing Kittens. 
having witnessed what you've witnessed with women in particular over these years, what have you come to learn about the the sexuality of women and, and, and the weaknesses and the strengths that, you know, will dictate what you go on to do and how you continue to shape your, your company? I'm curious, you, you know, as you say, women were unable to be as free sexually 18, 20 years ago as they are today. And obviously, you know, things change. What have you learned, Emma? I've learned, I mean, I've well, always said that girls aren't really, as you know, there's a sexuality spectrum one to seven and um, um, men are much more sort of one or seven. I've always said girls are sort of in the middle. It's why we're much more touchy-feely. We, you know, check out other women faster than guys do, if people are honest. So, the um the one thing I have learned is actually it's true and it's sort of that natural instinct in a lot of women and loads of girls I know is sort of will say that actually if they you know spit from their hobby then they might well go and fall in love with women um so I've learned you know learned even more it's kind of back to that actually it's we're on a constantly evolving spectrum I think when it comes to our sexuality and and who we are um and but one thing I have learned massively is, you know, is everyone sort of separated, you know, sex and work and, you know, the headspan, the industries and sort of what makes us, you know, where we are when work and not in the bedroom. But actually the one is, conf- you know, confidence. I've, I've learned that actually if you can if you can have a voice in the bedroom and ask for what you want in the bedroom, you can then go out and you can ask for what you want in the boardroom. And in life in general, it's sort of the hardest place probably to ask and be honest is in the bedroom. And if you nail that part and the communication part, then that's your entire life being able to go and have these conversations, you know, awkward conversations or negotiate a pay rise or just own it, own it in a boardroom. If you can own it in a bedroom. <laughs> and what, why is it so awkward? What, what, what have you discovered? Why is it so awkward to have that, that question in a, in, in a bedroom? It's, I think it goes back to, again, that it's that messaging. It's that what we've been told, you know, to believe when we're, when we're kids and that, you know, sort of the shame and the guilt. And, uh, you know, as you asked about the, you know, the group sex side of things, it's that, that instant stigma and it's that, and it's, you know, if there's a group of people having sex and that's dirty and that's seedy and that's, and that's gross. And it's sort of really dialing that back into, well, why? Why is, why is it gross? Why do you, you know, does someone think that that's seedy? What makes it seedy? And actually, people are very doubt for people to actually come up with a the exact answer because it's just that actually, well, we've been told it's seedy. It's we've been told, you know, people having sex is is seedy and it's dirty. And you, it's kind of some people come out with stuff and they don't know when you actually get them to really break it up and go why why that you can't well that's just an automatic sort of reaction and, and response that is you know your conscious mind is, is saying that sex equals dirty you go well, where's where's that messaging from but what, what about um it, it makes me think about the kind of um i don't know the fantasies that that you must hear people want at these kinds of parties i mean i i i, I don't know if that's quite how it works you know people just turn up to the event but there must be, you, you know, request requirements. I mean, you talk about masks, you talk about men are not allowed to approach women, but you must have heard every desire and fantasy that man and woman could, could have. How do you manage that from a Killing Kittens point of view? Yeah, well, we, you know, you hear about it a lot, but do you know what? It's kind of, 
actually it's quite it is quite simple there aren't many there's, there isn't a whole you know plethora of of uh, most fantasies kind of boil down to sort of that being in control or lack of control really that you know that it, it's you know there's a lot you know the, the sort of kidnapping or tying up or um you know and going into the bdsm world the rules and the way that world operates it, yeah it's it's fascinating the kind of the dominance and the submissive side of it or and it's power you know everything in life is power really and i think you know when it comes to relationships it's power the, the, it's the power balance and and there's always going to be a constantly shifting power dynamic within within everything whether it's business or you know business relationships personal relationships romantic relationships that's sort of one thing it's just sort of very interesting. It makes me wonder how you how you're able to separate, you know, the things you must have heard, discovered, learned over the years, how you're still in an industry, despite everything you must have heard, seen and, and, and discovered. And that is testimony to, to your commitment to your business. And I suppose, you know, my last question is, what does the future hold? I mean, where, where do you go? Because you've set this business up, it's been a success, you're developing the kind of tech side of it. But what what next? Apart from the fact that you're able to hand it over to your team to run for you, and and you're sort of chomping at the bit, if you like, to sort of take back some control. And what direction would you like to take it in that you haven't taken it in yet? Well, I think I mean I've you know always I've always said I you know that the future's human, and I've never liked the whole you know future's female slogans and stuff. Is you know I grew up all over the world and have friends of every nationality and religion and and sexuality and gender and and I hate labels. I just hate I hate labels. Um, and I just think in ten years time, in ten, you know in ten years time, I think you know that all the labels will be will will be growing. I think we're in a crazy time at the moment where you know even the the whole lgbtqia 2i you know 2s like the whole i don't think any more letters can be added to it to be honest i think it i think it's like get to that point now and give it give it 10 years it's just going to be be whoever you want to be and just without having to sort of go well on this on that so i think that and then you know that's kind of partly why we've you know our whole the Sex, you know, the dating app, the social dating app we've we've launched now is called We Are X because it's just sort of and it, and it's everyone. So it's not a lot of the dating apps out there at the moment. You know, are very much they're in like boxes. So there's one, you know, that's more in the threesome kind of polyamorous one. You know, a lot of the main ones are kind of, oh, you know, the Bumble and the Tinder and stuff are much more straight. You've got her, which is very, you know, more queer and lesbian, bi, but very female. So I think you know what we want to do and the way I see it is just sort of just it's just one big platform one big sex positive platform for everyone and anyone because i do think people just chop and change so you can't a lot of people label themselves and then you know six months later there's another label what does we rx allow people to do that that, that engage with the app so on in, on there and the reason why it's a social dating app it's kind of sort of a social network social yeah social network meets dating app so when you're on there you can join. You can join different workshops and webinars. So we have different masks, and that's everything from confidence, the art of, of seduction, striptease, um, basic kind of rope play, tantric. There's lo- you know loads of diff- diff- different workshops and things on there that you can attend. Then there's all the different chat groups that you can join. So you can join the chat groups. So we do mixers chat groups. So they're ones that are only there for sort of three days. So it's just a quick sort of chat you can you know group you can join with like 200 people in and ask questions that's on a topic and we're doing like live chats on there as well so a bit like sort of instagram 
live chats meets kind of clubhouse because they're audio chats where you we have experts taking it and then you listen and you can ask questions as the talk goes along so we had a you know dominatrix on last week talking about her whole history and story of how she got into being dominatrix and all the ins and outs of of that and then you've got the normal then you've got the dating side of it so you can you know you can search for people within 10 miles of you but what we have gone out on it as well is i think like 27 different genders and about 50 different things you could be in sexually so it's a much more and then if you know your vanilla your vanilla interests as well so they're the things like you know wine or netflix and chill or so we've got a lot of different options like that um as opposed to what do you do for a living it's much more who are you as a person what makes you tick kind of options and yeah. Well, look, it's it's been great having you on because it's quite liberating to, to because, as you say, these conversations, even in 2023, can be quite taboo for some people. You know, talking about sex, talking about orgies, talking about threesomes, talking about empowering what you want as opposed to pleasing somebody else is really deep and interesting. And for you, it's something you've known for God knows how many years, but I'm sure there'll be lots of people listening to this who have no idea that these platforms exist where they could go out there and explore a safe something and you know fulfill their own desires and I'm all for it myself I do believe that people should go out there and be empowered by what they want and not what they think other people want of them in particular their own partners and I say that with hesitation that my wife goes out there and starts <laughs> checking out your website but look Emma thank you so much for coming on and and sharing with me your insights no thank you for having me thanks very much Thanks for tuning in to Second Chance Podcast. Your support is greatly appreciated. You can find the video of this interview on our YouTube channel at Second Chance Podcast, where you can also subscribe to be notified of new episodes. Please share our episodes with your friends, family and colleagues and follow us on YouTube and your preferred podcast platform for updates on new episodes. Your feedback is crucial to the growth of our podcast. Please rate and review our episodes and let us know your thoughts in the comments section. Our podcast is devoted to providing excellent content. We rely on several talented individuals and teams to bring this podcast to life. Sophie Warner, Kabir Lotta, Lewis Hunt and Logan Martin assist create our content. Audio Avalanche handles audio editing. j Productions creates original music. Studio Minerva designs our eye-catching covers. Social media marketing agency Scribble manages and creates our social media content. Kim Collicut oversees episode production with me, your host, Raphael Rowe. Thanks for tuning in. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.